Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Another bombshell on Parliament Hill. Will Ontario's new budget help you? There's new funding for skilled trades. Zellers makes a comeback. A powers of sale boom. And the weekend is a record breaker. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. I will continue to serve the residents of Down Valley North as an independent member of this house. I'm taking this extraordinary step because to sitting to sitting the government caucus is a privilege and my presence there may be seen by some as a conflict of duty. That is the voice of Toronto area MP Han Dong resigning from the Liberal caucus last night in the House of Commons. He will now sit as an independent after the latest bombshell in the Chinese meddling scandal dropped and has rocked Parliament Hill. In a Global News exclusive, two separate national security sources tell our next guest that now former Liberal MP Han Dong, who's at the center of Chinese influence allegations, privately advised a senior Chinese diplomat in February of 2021 that Beijing should hold off on freeing Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavorn. You'll remember those two individuals spent about three years in a Chinese prison. Sam Cooper is a national investigative journalist with Global News and joins us now here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Sam, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. You have uh, uncovered a few bombshells in relation to the election interference story. This one, however, is on a different level. Would you agree? I'd agree that, that this the allegations in this story uh, show, according to my national security sources, how uh, the People's Republic of China could be attempting to leverage Canadian uh, politicians all the way from uh, Senate down to municipal councils and attempting to get them to take positions beneficial to China. Uh, In this case, uh, the allegations are very serious regarding uh, an investigation into a conversation that took place in February 2021. The MP in question, Han Don, uh, has acknowledged having this conversation with the senior uh, diplomat, the consul general in Toronto from China. Uh, he strongly denies that he initiated this conversation and recommended that uh, China hold off on releasing the Michaels because that would benefit uh, the conservative opposition's stance on the issue. This is the allegations of what occurred in this conversation and that Mr. Don suggested uh, the Liberal Party uh, had had a plan that could work as well. So it's very important to say uh, you, you led with Mr. Don saying he's stepping away to defend himself. He strongly denies the allegations that the nature of this sourcing is national security sources that have such concern that Canada or Ottawa is not adequately defending itself against foreign interference, mainly from China, that they have taken uh, uh, extraordinary steps to provide information to journalists. There is a lot to unpack here, and, and maybe we'll do it kind of bit by bit. One of the things that I think you know, myself and many Canadians are wondering is, and you, you might not even have the answer to this, is how would not releasing the two Michaels help the Liberals and hurt the Conservatives? That seems to be kind of backwards. Yes, uh, what I can say is that uh, the information reported in this story uh, was gathered from national security sources that say that an, an investigation into a conversation produced the information in this report. To repeat, uh, Mr. Don allegedly, in a private conversation, 
let us add that the, the Prime Minister's office has said as of this week they had no idea this conversation took place. The allegations are that Mr. Don, uh, from what we can gather according to the allegations, are partisan reasons, gave advice to the senior Chinese diplomat that there needed to be some progression in the case. However, simply or, or holding off on releasing the Michaels would, would be a better recommendation from Mr. Don. I, I understand that uh, this, th- this sounds complex. It sounds very political. These are the nature of the assertions from national security sources. And I can tell you this, I believe that there is uh, much more to the story of what was going on behind the scenes in Canada, the United States, and Beijing with regards to the extradition request of the United States of this individual from Huawei and what is called by uh, any credible intelligence sources or political commenters I know of as hostage diplomacy on the part of Beijing. Well, our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Sam Cooper, national investigative journalist at Global News, has done a phenomenal job of breaking some of the big stories on Parliament Hill over the last number of weeks. One of the many questions, and this is a big one too, is, you know, who knew what and when? And that obviously includes the prime minister. Have you heard anything from the PMO? We did. We, uh, we, I sent a, a, a very uh, lengthy, we can say, and specific list of questions to the Prime Minister's office, to MP Don, to the Canadian Security Intelligence Services, and indeed to the Toronto Consulate. And what we heard back from the Prime Minister's office was that uh, they, they had no idea until we asked the questions that Mr. Don had this conversation in February 2021. They say that in in no way was Mr. Don acting uh, unofficially or as a so-called back channel between the Liberal government and China on this very complex case. That's their position. Could, and you mentioned other levels of governments, including provincial and municipal, could Handong be potentially the tip of the iceberg in this foreign interference scandal? Well, we, we already see in reports from, uh, from Global News and from others, we've seen now allegations that a Montreal uh, municipal councillor allegedly is in charge of running so-called Chinese police stations in those cities. As you know, Chinese police stations in Montreal, Toronto and Vancouver are being investigated by RCMP national security units. My reporting has shown already that uh, a, a business person and a group in Toronto that we have reported through national security source assertions are allegedly connected to clandestine transfers into uh, the federal interference network in 2019 of which Mr. Don is an, an alleged member. Uh, these same alleged clandestine money transfer suspects in Toronto are being investigated by the RCMP for alleged connections to these Chinese police station suspected outposts in Toronto and Vancouver. I'm going to suggest to you that uh, we are in touch with people that are very aware of ongoing national security investigations what these sources say is that this is a cross-Canada issue. Many politicians, either wittingly or unwittingly, are implicated in China's interference networks.
Wow, that is unbelievable. Sam, really appreciate your time. Uh, awesome work on this file and continued uh, good luck going forward. Thank you. That is Sam Cooper, National Investigative Journalist, Global News, uncovering bombshell after bombshell. And it sounds like, even with his last answer there, that this is only going to explode even further. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It is budget day at uh, Queen's Park as uh, Ontario's finance minister is uh, going to present the latest uh, iteration of the provincial budget. And apparently today's document is going to what many are saying show restraint and that there won't be many program cuts. The question is, how exactly will this new provincial budget help Ontarians. Jay Goldberg is the Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and joins us now on GMH. Jay, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, Very good. Great to be with you. What is on your wish list for this provincial budget? Well, what we're looking for in this budget, uh, we're not sure if we'll see it or not, is some sort of tax relief because the government has been raking in billions and billions of dollars more than they expected because uh, of inflation. So, for example, with sales tax, when the price of a good goes up, sales tax is charged just as a percentage of the price of the good. And so because things have been going up in price, government revenue is way up. Last year, it was $20 billion higher than the Ford government predicted. And we're likely to see that continue because of inflation. So we're saying put more money back in people's pockets. We proposed a sales tax cut because that would help everyone, whether you pay income taxes or not, whether you're buying a coffee, a washing machine, a new car. So uh, that's what we proposed here. Um, You know, we'll see what avenue they try to go. But I think that tax relief needs to be something that's in there, given high cost of living and high inflation. So you're calling for a cut to the HST? That's what we've suggested is a good way to go, because frankly, the government brought in last year $4 billion more than they expected uh, just from sales tax revenue. If you cut the sales tax by one point, that's $4 billion. So essentially it would be revenue neutral because as prices go up and it's charged as a percentage of the good, government revenue has been soaring and that's been it to the detriment of people buying things everywhere. Finance Minister Peter Bethlen Falvey has signaled that this budget is going to feature restraints. There'll be some targeted investments. Uh, it won't equal program cuts, although they are going to be Uh, I guess, slashing the three paid sick days uh, that have been offered over the last number of years. Um, That obviously is going to be a cost save, but is it worth doing that? Well, I I think that um, if that is true, uh, that that's uh, certainly something that the government, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of conversation about whether or not they should bring it in the first place. Uh, I think it was an important package during uh, COVID. And so, We'll see what the government d- decides to do if they get <clears throat> if they get rid of it today. But uh, I, I don't think it's something that should be on the chopping block. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Jay Goldberg. He's the Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, previewing what uh, we hope to see or think we will see in today's provincial budget. A- at the end of the day, this budget is not going to evaporate the debt that we have on the books. How quickly can we tackle this, though? Well, it's something that we can start to tackle right away because, uh, you know, we're almost $500 billion in debt. Ontario is the most indebted subnational government in the world. We're spending 
$14 billion this year on debt interest. Instead of that, you could build 14 brand new hospitals. So that's the impact of all the debt that previous governments and this government has accumulated over time. So if we balance the books, keep them balanced and start to pay down the debt, that means less money going to these interest payments that is essentially just money that evaporates to bondholders on Bay Street who get a profit off of our debt. And instead, you could invest it in healthcare, education, lower taxes. And so we see the impact in provinces like Alberta and New Brunswick that have lower debt loads uh, than we do in Ontario. They have more money to spend on priorities that matter to uh, people and taxpayers. There apparently is going to include in today's budget a manufacturing tax credit, as well as funding to upgrade uh, skilled train, uh, training centers. A lot, uh, a lot of money going to improving the skilled trades. We're going to actually talk about it in our 8 o'clock hour as well. Are, are these two initiatives going to move the needle in this province? Well, I think investing in skilled trades is uh, always something that, uh, you know, is, is something to look at for sure. It's definitely a shift in the economy that we're seeing in the government uh, makes sense to encourage job growth in that area. When you're talking about this this tax credit for manufacturing businesses in particular, you know, it makes a lot more sense to take all of that money, lower the tax rate for all businesses so that we can attract not just manufacturers, but every other business that has been leaving Ontario because of high hydro rates, high tax rates, and gone to the United States or or Alberta or another province. And so I think it makes a lot more sense to take that money, lower the tax load, and that way you could attract not only manufacturing businesses, but businesses of all shapes and sizes. Yeah, I think most people will agree with uh, your sentiment on that. Jay, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for waking up with us here on GMH. Thank you. As Jay Goldberg, Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Oh, it's going to be a lot of money thrown around today. Provincial Budget Day at Queen's Park as we welcome you back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Apparently, today's budget is going to include some money for skilled trades. In fact, $224 million, what we're hearing, is going to be earmarked to build and upgrade training centers as part of a push to boost skilled trades. And and part of that is uh, $75 million over the next three years to support those centers as the province at this point in time faces the largest labor shortage in a generation. Victoria Mancinelli is the Director of Public Relations, Marketing and Strategic Partnerships at Leuna and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Victoria, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. How badly do we need this funding and this support for uh, training centers for skilled trades? Desperately. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we have um, a labor shortage in the province, as you have mentioned, and our training centers and training and education centers across the province are a gateway to ensuring that these workers are equipped with skills to reach their full potential and advance in the industry, but most importantly, ensuring that our workers are safe on the job. So our training centers are imperative to the success of our industry. And, you know, we've seen significant investments in attracting talent to the trades through the Skills Development Fund. But this investment goes beyond that and is investing in the brick and mortar of what we need in the industry. This total is about $300 million, which is a lot of money. What is the impact going to be? Are we going to see more people enter the trades or just better trained workers? I think a little bit of both, to be honest. As our workforce expands, training centers need to be 
equipped to meet that growth. And, you know, as we modernize the skilled trades as well, there is the introduction of new technology in our skilled trades, new partnerships and outreach. Um, for example, women in trades working with youth at risk to attract them to our training centers. So as our industry grows, our training centers grows. And in order, again, to meet the demand of our growth in our industry and attracting talent and students, we need to be able to have the space and the tools to enact this demand, meet this demand, and grow with the times. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Victoria Mancinelli, Director of Public Relations, Marketing, and Strategic Partnerships with Leuna. We're talking about new funding in today's provincial budget for skilled trades. We've heard about the skilled trade shortage for a while now, a few years really. Are we at a crisis point, or am I overstating that? No, I think it depends who you ask. Um, I'm a little bit optimistic beyond the crisis. So I want to say we're being proactive to avoid a crisis in the industry, but there is no doubt that we do have a shortage. And when we have infrastructure investments being announced, infrastructure that we desperately need, you know, work, uh, work on our road systems, transit systems, hospital and healthcare, homes, you know, affordable housing, that can only be successful if we have a skilled workforce at the helm of the success. So I'm going to stay optimistic here and say we're not in crisis and we have such a strong collaboration between labor, industry and government who are moving forward and taking all steps necessary to be proactive here to grow our workforce. I'm pretty confident in saying there's not many teenagers listening to this show right now. Teens just don't in, tune into news talk, but their parents <laughs> do and certainly their grandparents do. What would you recommend they tell their kids, their teenagers, maybe they're in grade seven or eight trying to figure out what they're going to do? What kind of jobs are out there for them? Absolutely. You know, parents and guidance counselors have traditionally been a barrier when it comes to the skilled trades, discouraging students and children from entering this as seen as not a viable career choice. This is a first choice career path that has vast opportunities for advancement, health and benefits. You're going to earn, you know, industry leading uh, wages here, have financial stability and retirement security with a pension. And if we think beyond that as well, you are part of building the framework and foundation of our country and those institutions will stand for generations to come. And you can tell your children after this that I built this. Sounds like to me that's a pretty good deal and that's a pretty good legacy as well. Victoria, we'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing your insight on this. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. And as Victoria Mancinelli, Director of Public Relations, Marketing Strategic Partnerships at Leuna. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. After a 10-year hiatus, Zellers is back. It officially reopens today in about a dozen Hudson's Bay stores in Ontario and Alberta. Yes, the discount brand is going to be in places like the Burlington Mall and the Penn Center in St. Catharines. The question is, is it going to work this time? Rob McLean is a marketing professor at the University of Guelph and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Rob, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. You research brand identity development, and as we know, consumers have been down the nostalgic road before with other brands. Is Zeller's 2.0 primed to be a success? Well, there's a lot of buzz around this, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are really excited by it. Nostalgia can be a little bit tough to 
sell something with, but Zellers is a powerful brand, you know? Um, Canadians, I think, respond well to Canadiana, and when you pair that with nostalgia, uh, this is, this is, I think this is going to stick around for a while. One of the things I thought of was, is you know, with inflation where it is, with a potential recession on the horizon, is now a good time for the Zellers brand to make this comeback? Well, it sure doesn't hurt. I mean, you know, they always were the lowest prices of the law, and it seems a lot of people remember that phrase still. Um, you know, there's a lot, uh, there's more discount retailers on the market today than there was when Zellers existed before. We have Walmart, Amazon, um, Dollarama, and they could be a competitor. But, you know, there's, there's room in that space, I think, for a, a brand like Zellers. If they can keep their prices low, that, you know, we'll speak to this Canadian element. I mean, that's something Walmart, for example, can't really touch. Is is this a uh, is this a tricky situation for HBC because you know you go in there right now and you know some prices are great but the lowest price is not the law for some yeah. items if you have this Zellers outlet or boutique in HBC is that going to maybe take away from what Hudson's Bay is doing they're going to have to be careful with that. That's a really good point. Um, you know, but I, I kind of guess that HBC is looking at the companies like Nordstrom and Bed Bath and Beyond that aren't surviving in this market, and I think they're starting to think maybe they need to open up their options a little bit more. You know, one thing about the Bay, it seems to me right now, these are going to be stores within the store, and I'm sure they have a tenth of each store that's underperforming. So to drop, you know, that little Zeller's store within the store, it's it's. I think it's a smart way to make use of that square footage uh, to maybe draw some new customers in, get some new foot traffic in there. Uh, the, I don't think the Bay can really lose on this because they're going to get more people walking through the door and you know, checking out Zellers, but then they have to walk through the Bay to get to the Zellers part. So, you know, it, it won't hurt them, I don't think. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Rob McLean, marketing professor at the University of Guelph, talking about the return of Zellers after a 10-year hiatus. It's going to be in about a dozen HBC stores in Ontario and Alberta, closer to home here at uh, Burlington Mall and the Penn Centre in St. Catharines. What are the chances that this latest iteration of Zellers is so successful that HBC says, you know what, we'll open one standalone store to start somewhere and uh, we'll see how it goes? My guess is that this is a big test. They're going to see how far this nostalgia can carry them. I'd expect that we're going to see a big advertising blitz in the coming months leading up to Canada Day. I mean, Zeller's red and white logo, it, it looks really Canadian. You put that in the middle of the Bay, and the Bay is one of the most iconic Canadian brands out there. And yeah, I could see a standalone store, but I, I think if they're clever, they won't go for the big you know, superstore model that Zeller's used to be. But if they had a standalone Zeller's around the side, of you know, winners or a home sense, I think that could that could work for them. Their motto uh, was, and, and you mentioned it earlier, the lowest price is the law. Is the expectation that this is going to be ultra low and, and competitive with some of the other retailers out there? I think that's going to be the expectation, and that's going to be the challenge that they have to deliver on. Um, I mean, their profit margins are going to be really tight if they're keeping prices as low as possible. Uh, that's going to be the challenge, because I think you're, you're absolutely right. People are going to expect the lowest price. Uh, they're going to need to deliver on that. Last one for you. Are other retailers looking closely at, at how this all develops? I think other retailers are going to be looking very carefully. I, I think the retail industry is a little bit nervous these days. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to be looking at the Zellers.ca, their online 
store to see how that does. But yeah, you know, especially the higher end retailers, um, they're going to be watching this carefully. Should be interesting. Rob, appreciate your time today. Thanks for breaking this down for us. You're very welcome. Good to talk with you. Rob McLean is a marketing professor at the University of Guelph. Zellers reopening today at the Burlington Mall, Penn Center in St. Catharines, at 10 other locations at HBC stores in Ontario and Alberta as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The GTA is certainly a place where if you were to buy a home, you'll have to pretty much empty the bank account. We have seen prices there soar, just like we have here, although to different sort of stratosphere in the GTA. But it's seeing another surge, and that is an increase in the number of powers of sale listings. Um, to, to explain this and give us uh, his take on whether or not this is happening in Hamilton is Brian Hogman, principal broker and founder of Mission 35 Mortgages, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Brian, good morning. How are you? I'm living the dream, Rick. How are you doing today? Uh, almost there, almost there with you. But I do have to ask you, let's set the table in terms of what exactly is a power of sale? Oh, that's great. You know what? So a power of sale is essentially when the lender uh, is taking over the property and selling the property because the borrower has not made payments or has defaulted on the terms and conditions of the mortgage. This, I would imagine, is an uncommon occurrence. Very, very uncommon. And you know what? And um I'm not surprised to hear that there's a growth in it. And the reason being is this is because when we go back to the past three years and we take a look at things, we were sitting in a market due to the pandemic and COVID where property prices were accelerating astronomically. And if anybody had an issue with payments, it was not hard to get a new mortgage because their equity position was increasing. So, so go ahead. Rick. I was going to say, why are we seeing this boom or this rash of powers of sale in the GTA all of a sudden? Yeah, I think what it is. So, and, and it's good to understand the context too, because uh, when when we look at the mortgages that are going power of sale, they would be with lenders who are private lenders. Um, and there's three different types of lenders we look at. There's we call them like the ABC. An A lender would be your traditional bank. Uh, a B lender might be a trust company or maybe a credit union. And then the C lender is the private lender. The private lender is uh, almost like the Wild West. It's the least regulated lender in our industry in Canada. So that means that they can lend to just about anybody for any reason, depending on their, with very few governing guidelines. Now, with that being said, there was a ton of real estate speculation that happened with investors over the past little while. So a lot of people leveraged up a little bit too high. And those are typically the ones that we're seeing right now that have issues with payments. They might even be underwater in some cases with their borrowing. Um, and some of those lenders right now are the ones that are saying, hey, I kind of want my money back. We're going to go power sale if you haven't paid. And we're seeing more and more of this because these homeowners aren't qualifying with A or B lenders, so they're having to go the private route? Yeah, that's true. It is happening. It is happening more and more. But uh, it's important to know, too, that the amount of them is, is very low, right? When we look at the private market share across Canada, it is, I would say, under 10% of the market share. Um, and the private loans, too, that are out there, there are some good reasons for it. It is typically in our industry meant as a bridge. You know, if you're getting into a private loan, there should be a definitive beginning and end, whether it be to uh, increase your credit or get past probation at work. So you get into a bank, unfortunately. There's some people, like I say, that may be speculated on real estate. I would say it's not so many homeowners that are in these issues. 
but more so real estate investors that we've seen. We're talking about a surge in the number of power of sale listings in the GTA with Brian Hogman, principal broker and founder, Mission 35 Mortgages. Check him out online at mission35.com. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Are we seeing the same surge here in Hamilton? Yes. And you know what? I love the term surge because the surge is there, but it's important to know where it started. So we've essentially gone from zero power sales in the past two to three years. So um, to for that to double would be a lot, right? Well, zero times zero is zero, but you get the idea of that. So it is growing in Hamilton, but it is not a number to be concerned about. In fact, uh, there's been some studies done from power sales through banks, and they are at record lows still. So even though rates are maturing at higher rates and people don't like it, it is, you know, heavier on the pocketbook. But because of the tight qualification guidelines that we've had at Canadian banks, uh, majority of them, uh, there's no issue or risk from uh, the higher ups and the powers that be at the banks of increasing defaults with the banks. It's just with the private lenders at this moment. Last one for you. And we got about a minute. Inflation uh, fell to 5.2% last month. When do you think we can expect to see interest rates and mortgage rates come down? Hallelujah. I will appear into my crystal ball right now, Rick, <laughs> and I would say it's telling me Q3. I think that I'm hopeful and I think that, you know what, Q3, uh, we may see one. The market was even saying as soon as April. I think that might be a little bit premature. But if we end up seeing it in the late spring, early summer, uh, I wouldn't be too surprised on that. I don't think anybody is going to complain either. Brian, appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Rick. Brian Hogman is a principal broker and founder of Mission 35 Mortgages online, mission35.com. Also the author of How to Get Mortgage Free Really Effing fast. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Canadian pop superstar of the weekend. Um, he is white hot, red hot, uh, uh, whatever color you want to associate with it. It is volcanic at this point. So much so that he has established two new Guinness World Records. Yeah, he is a record breaker. 33-year-old singer has the most monthly listeners on Spotify and is the first artist ever to reach 100 million monthly listeners on the streaming service. He's up to 111 million. The next closest is pretty far away. And that's Miley Cyrus at 82.4 million monthly listeners. That is a large gap. How did a guy from Scarborough become the most popular musician in the world. Eric Alper is our guest here on GMH, music commentator and publicist, and joins us now on 900 CHML. Eric, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm I wish I, I, I wish I had the answer to your question about how he did it, because <laughs> if I knew I would replicate it with every artist I'm working with. He seems to have hit all the right buttons, though. It's amazing yeah. to see. Yeah, he came along at a time when I think the world really, really missed disco and funk and Michael Jackson. And no matter what you want to think about Michael Jackson, the fact is that he wrote some really great pop and R&B songs. And the, the weekend, you know, astonishingly went into that head first and with his music he was able to not only reach the dance crowd and the crowd that likes to go out at night um but he was able to reach the more adult crowd people who just want to listen to some really great music in the car and it it's always really about the songs we can talk about 
the rise of the weekend on TikTok. We can talk about how music streaming services are dominating people's choices for listening, but it really comes down to the fact that he and his team write really catchy pop songs. When you look at, you know, even the past year in music, you know, Taylor Swift made a bunch of noise. Harry Styles was, you know, the the, the talk of the town. Uh, you know, and the list goes on and on. But, uh, you know, even with all those megastars, it's a Canadian guy who's at the top. It's really, I mean, it gives us, I think, a sense of pride. Yeah, and it's happened a lot, too. Um, you know, The weekend also held the, the Guinness Book of World Records before, too. Um, in fact, um, his uh, his last couple of albums, you know, Starboy is the third of his albums to have multiple number one singles after Beauty Behind the Madness and After Hours. So he's actually held a couple of records before. Um, but when you look at like the last 30, 35 years, and it's the way that the music industry likes to look at things more in cycles rather than short spurts of year or this is happening in a couple of months. It really kind of started to hit around the Brian Adams era where you had Brian Adams, Tom Cochran, and Corey Hart that were doing really, really well thanks to Much Music and MTV. And all of that flush money coming into the Canadian record labels with those record sales helped spawn Shania Twain and Celine Dion and Alanis Morissette, even though that a lot of them went to the U.S. first to kind of break, because we're still a, a really small country when you think about the population of this country. Um, and that kind of multitude of success has opened up the doors for The Weeknd and Drake and and um, Alicia Cara and all of these other artists that are, are breaking worldwide too. So yeah, Canadians should ha- absolutely have a sense of pride since they all started here. Yeah, throw Justin Bieber in there as well. There's a lot of megastars yeah. from this country who are uh, making some waves. Eric Alper is our guest, music commentator, publicist here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. It's one thing to rocket to the top of the music world. It takes a special talent to stay there. How is The weekend able to stay there? Yeah, what's amazing about it is that um, there's a there's an old cliche that's used in music and most entertainment. Um, it's the... You know, the faster you go up the charts, the faster you go down. And uh, certainly his song Blinding Lights um, is the opposite effect of that. It actually stayed on the Billboard Hot 100 for over 90 weeks, the longest and the most amount of weeks is spent on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, so when you consider that that song really never left radio for about a year and a half, that allowed all of these new fans to come into play. Um, the the new song that he has out now called Die For You, it's a remix featuring Ariana Grande. And that song is about six and a half years old, but it started to go viral on TikTok. So when something goes viral in a platform like like that you can either just sit back and you know have the influencers and everybody create the dances for you or if you're the weekend you start to do some really great things is you start to make new videos you start to make new content for the fans to share your record label starts releasing it to radio um to promote it uh, on on radio stations so it it's an active participation that The weekend has done once he knows that things are hitting rather than waiting for, you know, waiting just for 
the things to do what they do without any of their help. And it's what all the superstar artists do, whether you're The Weeknd or Ariana Grande or Taylor Swift, Rihanna or Ed Sheeran. They they strike as soon as something hits and they mobilize their worldwide team to make sure that everybody is on board with the new plan. Last one for you. we got about a minute. He did play the Super Bowl halftime show a couple of years ago now. Did that bring him to another level? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, you, you there's always artists who play the Super Bowl who get a little bit of a Super Bowl bump in terms of sales um, and streams. But I think certainly The weekend was able to prove on a worldwide stage in front of people for the first time um, that he can play with all the big artists. And certainly that had, um, I, I think, a lot to do with it and, and opened up a lot of people's eyes that this isn't just another kid from Scarborough. This is this is a, a guy whose worldwide fame is so well-deserved. Absolutely. Eric, always appreciate your time. Thanks for chiming in this morning. Thank you so much for having me. We'll, we'll talk soon. You got it. Eric Alper, music commentator, publicist, and um, offering his thoughts on The weekend and his 2020 track. I mean, it's now three years old. Blinding Lights is the most streamed song on Spotify of all time with more than 3.47 billion listens. It's been listened to almost three and a half billion times on Spotify. If you're doing something in the billions, you're doing something right. That is for sure. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review.